our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Army veteran and ACE-certified health coach Chase Tuning is on a mission to make optimal health and wellness accessible for all. Growing up eating fresh food from his grandparents' garden, playing baseball, and enjoying time in the mountains surrounding his family's Southwest Virginia home, healthy eating and movement has always been a part of his life. After six years of active duty in the military, Chase was medically discharged due to a string of injuries that ultimately required him to have bilateral reconstructive hip surgeries. After learning how to walk again, twice, he returned to his roots, making health and wellness his passion. His mission now is breaching the wellness gap that so many are facing today. And he does this through his two highly successful podcasts, Ever Forward Radio and Operation Podcast. And he's educating and inspiring people all over the world to optimize their fitness, nutrition, and mindset. And that's what you're going to learn about in this conversation. You know, he'll share his story, of course. But more than that, the lessons that he's learned over his years, over his experiences, over what he's had to overcome, uh, I think are translated through this interview and so that you can bring in what he's sharing and use that in your own life. Uh, I think you're going to love this episode. It's always so inspiring to talk to veterans. I love it. You know, I come from a whole family of veterans. My dad, my sister, my brother were all Marines. I grew up moving all over the country as a Marine Corps brat. Um, until high school. So I definitely have a soft space in my heart for veterans and to hear their story and to bring it to your ears so that you can understand, you know, what they go through physically, mentally, emotionally, and also how they have managed to overcome and chase in particular. And so I'm so excited to share his story with you. If you love it, please share it with a friend. And of course, keep those reviews coming. Enjoy. Well, hello, Chase. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, happy Friday to you or happy day to whoever's listening, whenever they're listening, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's let's kick it off with your origin story. Let's give the audience a little bit of background about you. Has health always been uh, you know, the forefront of, of who you are as a person and, and creating a life that you really love? Has that always been a part of who you are? You, great question right out of the gate. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Y- yes, but I didn't fully realize it. I grew up the oldest of three. I, I grew up in the country in the sticks, as we would say, down in Southwest Virginia. And we grew up on hundreds of acres with my grandparents and my brother, and my sister. And I was always in play. We were always eating the foods that we would grow in our garden. Uh, my grandfather even had a couple friends, our, our neighbors miles away on the other <laughs> side that had, you know, livestock and animals. And so we would often, you know, eat from there. And so, yeah, to answer your question, it, it was, but I didn't fully realize it. It was just my norm at the time. Um, and so we kind of moved into the city, uh, moved into the big town from, you know, a neighborhood of zero to <laughs> a next door neighbor. Uh, we, I still lived in a very small town when I was about 13 years old in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, and, and then things kind of shifted a little bit. You know, we had access to 
uh, more things, entertainment to movie theaters, to going out to eat. Um, and so that paradigm shifted a little bit. My family still had a very hard approach to, you know, quality over quantity, just really quality and everything in our life. Um, and then, yeah, as I transitioned into the military right after high school, I mean, go, go, go nonstop. You got to fuel your body. You got to eat right. You got to move right. You got to train right. And, um, and then I'm skipping some steps here for sure. But, and then transitioning out of the military to uh, go into the health and fitness and wellness career as a trainer, as a certified health coach. Um, it just is who I was always, but I didn't fully realize that I was different, I guess, than how a lot of people were brought up or their approach to just daily activity and, and eating habits. Uh, it, was, it was really this great balance of nature and nurture for me. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine, you know, growing up with all of that land and and having a garden that you would actually eat from. I mean, that's such a it's such a rare thing now. I mean, obviously with the pandemic, people are getting back into that, but it's such a gift, you know, to you and your siblings to have that, you yeah. know, that that foundation, you know. But what did your parents do that enabled you to live out in the in the country? So my dad at the time, he was still in the military. Um, he started off National Guard, which is like part-time military, and then he went and became active duty. And he was stationed at the time in Kentucky, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. But he was he was home actually a lot for someone that was active duty, and we weren't living on base. It was it was this kind of dynamic for a couple of years. If we were going to go live with him on there, or he had a very great position to where he he was home almost almost every weekend. Wow. Um, and we almost went to, went to go to Germany one time. I remember. Um, so while he was active duty. Well, he was, you know, doing his career, um, which provided a lot of benefits and things for us back home. Uh, we actually we lived with our grandparents, his mom and dad, for, yeah. for many years. <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, his new girlfriend, soon to become my stepmom. Uh, my parents split up when I was very, very young. I was about four or five years old, and um, I stayed with my grandparents and my stepmom there at the time, along with my brother, a younger brother, and my little sister. Uh, she's in the middle. She went with our mom to live not far, about three hours away from where we were living at the time. And so, I mean, we just thought our dad was super cool. GI Joe uh, doing an army stuff. And we were just at home with our grandparents running around in the woods, playing, having fun. And then we would just try to get together whenever we could to, you know, get the kids together. Um, so it was really just it was just living and growing yeah. and kind of living in this little, this little bubble, so to speak. We didn't really know a whole lot else what was going on in the world. We just, we just had fun and had a nice little tribe and were loved for sure. Yeah. Do you think spending so much time in nature, you know, with plants, with animals, you know, the livestock that you eventually ate, <laughs> I mean, that's such a, a direct connection, but is it such a direct connection to, you know, the real world and life, how, how it really is. Do you think that that's impacted how you see the world? Absolutely. There, there are some times when I, I look at, you know, I'm 35 now and I've gone through a, a lot of personal development work. And when you get to know yourself more and more, you pick up on, oh, like this is maybe why this person acts this way or this yeah. might have some influence in their perspective. And it causes you, I think, or at least caused me to really go back into like, what, why do I think this way? How was I kind of molded? How was I kind of conditioned you know, in a you know neutral way, good, bad way, whatever you want to call it. And I'm so grateful for that upbringing that I had because I've always had this sense of, of play, of movement, of wanting to be outside, of just, you know, really 
categorizing a successful day if I was able to just be with a person or hopefully a couple of people that I that I loved and were part of my family and we could do something together. We could be outside. Um, animals as well. Growing up, I don't think we ever had less than maybe five to seven cats and dogs. We grew up on like almost 200 acres. And so wow. it was mountains and creeks and, and gardens and, and so much, you know, for humans, but a lot of livestock, a lot of animals as well. Yeah. So cats and dogs and all kinds of crazy things. Um, and it gave me a very strong appreciation for, for connection, uh, mm-hmm. for connection uh, outside of myself, whether that was with nature, whether that was with a relative, a friend, another human being, uh, or, you know, certainly, you know, mother nature out there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go into the military. How did that start to change your perspective on things? Because you kind of go from this idyllic upbringing to, you know, you're in the military, you have to meet these, these people are yelling at you. You have to do this. You're being trained. Yeah. Like you're being trained to kill other people, you know, to, to carry out missions. What was that like for you? Cause I'm, I, I just picture you as a little boy and I can just see you like such a sensitive, you know, happy little guy. Yeah, uh, still, still a pretty sensitive, happy guy, to be honest. Um, It's weird. I look back now, I've been out of the army for 10 years, and almost 11 now. And um, it is kind of weird for me sometimes to really look back at that period of my life. I, I enlisted in 2003. I was actually, I swore in on Christmas break of my senior year of high school. So I was still 17. This just young green little kid um still popping zits and just trying <laughs> to learn how to run and not die um you know trained to go into the military and um it's wild i think back at that time 2003 to 2009 when i was active duty we were in the peak of the global war on terrorism oif oef uh it was very it's very weird for me to look back and actively choose. It's weird. You know, I, I chose to join during a time of war. Yeah. I don't know if it, I was just too young or too naive. Like that fully did not completely like get a hold of me. What, it, what did get a hold of me was the opportunity to pursue something after high school that I could at least attach more to uh, that I saw myself in. I didn't really see myself in college that much. Uh, I went to a very, very small private school and academics and education were very, very important and were drilled in intensely. And I did okay as a student, but um, I wasn't just like, you know, I'm going to be an engineer, a lawyer. I got to go to med school. I, I never saw myself like quantifying success as higher education, higher education. And so instead of kind of just wasting time and wasting money, really, um, yeah. I decided to pursue that because it was very appealing to me. My father was in the military. Basically every generation in my family, we go back to, you know, civil war, American revolution, everybody has kind of served in wow. some way. Um, and so that, uh, that aspect of legacy was very appealing to me. And so maybe that kind of, you know, was in the forefront of my mind and my decision-making process there. Uh, and the role that I chose to go into was more appealing as well. Cause I got to use a little bit more of my smarts, I guess I, I enlisted in the military intelligence department. And uh, so I could tell you more, but I'd have to kill you. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> and, and so it was a very, very cool world. I was like, Oh, I want to be this, like this, this secret squirrel spy kind of thing. And, you know, still get to be a soldier. And yeah, you're right. You know, no matter what you do in the military, especially at that time um, you're trained for, for warfare, you're, you're trained for, attack, counterattack, you're trained. We were training every week, sometimes, you know, multiple days throughout the week um, outside of my other jobs and duties. And um, it, it was just kind of like 
it's funny. I was talking to my wife about this recently. I've always just been, if I can attach myself and, and get meaning out of something and contribute to something, I, I can just go with it. Mm. Uh, I don't have to fully step into that identity and have to fully kind of commit in, in order for me to follow through with it. But if there's just a little bit enough of a sliver uh, of something that I see that I can contribute to, give value to, and I mean, let's be honest, you know, they gave me a lot of benefits, gave me a lot of experience in life, gave me, you know, college benefits, education benefits, health benefits. Uh, you know, it was, it was a fair exchange. Um, but it's wild when I look back on that time uh, of from 17 to 24, serving in a military organization that was, you know, fighting war all over the world. Uh, and at the moment's notice, you know, it could get called up and we were training for that uh, every week. Um, it's kind of wild. It's kind of wild, but uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. This episode is brought to you by Haya Vitamins. If you've been wondering if the vitamins that you've been giving your children are actually doing any good, if you look at the ingredients, you'll soon find that they're filled with sugars, preservatives, and junk, things that you don't want to be giving to your child. I know there's so much out there. We want to keep it simple. We want to keep it easy. Luckily, there's a company like Haya Vitamins out there who is doing all of that. They provide 12 essential nutrients in every single vitamin in eco-friendly packaging. And then each month they send you a refill so you don't have bottles and bottles accumulating. You actually are just getting what you need to your children to supplement their diets. And let's be honest, it's hard to keep ourselves fully nourished, let alone our picky eaters. So of course, if you're a listener of the show, they're going to hook you up with a great deal. Head on over to hyatthealth.com forward slash unstressed and you get 50% off your first order. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com forward slash unstressed and get 50% off your first bottle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people who've been through something serious like that or, you know, like a big endeavor like that, it does change you. In a, I mean, how could it not, right? Like, of course, it's going to leave yeah. an impact. But I love how you said you didn't I mean, you didn't really make it your identity. You know, you got what you needed out of it. You contributed just as much. It was a fair exchange. It seems like a very healthy relationship that you have with with work, with other people. I mean, it's talk to us a little bit about that. How do you how do you interact? What's your energy like in the world when you go into something that you really care about? Yeah, good question. Um, I don't know. I I really have always enjoyed seeing other people thrive. I really always enjoyed seeing other people succeed and, and when others can fully step into that identity and, um, and be it, and especially in the military, it, it takes a team. It takes the people to the left and right of you in order for individuals to, to thrive, but for the team to thrive and the mission to, to carry on. Um, and that is always, I mean, I don't know if I really fully knew it uh, during the experience, but that has always just been more appealing to me. Uh, I just really enjoyed that. It's been more of, give, give, give. Um, you know, sometimes now uh, you have to be more guarded with your time and, uh, you know, it is a little bit more of a take. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I catch myself even or the people close to me, my wife and friends and family will be like, you know, it's your ego stepping in a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, it may be coming out every once in a while for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, as a young soldier, I just loved seeing other men and women who were just, they loved it. Like they loved what they did. They loved serving their country. They loved the job that they had. They loved deploying. They loved coming home. They loved every aspect of it. And, and when I'm around people that love what they're doing, I thrive. Yeah. And it kind of sounds weird to say, like, 
I don't really know what I'm doing, but as long as other people do, I'm good. Like I, I am very conscious and very intentional with the work that I do. And I, I know that I'm moving forward in life and creating things and doing things of my own design, but it's very important for me in order for that to happen, to be with people that are very much in their zone of genius in flow, like just love and they're passionate people. Uh, environment for me is king. I mean, I, I think drive is the most contagious thing in the world. And so I, I guess I've just always consciously or subconsciously sought out organizations, jobs, experiences that, that kind of allow for that, you know, being in the military, people love doing that or else why would you literally sign your life away unless it was like a court order kind of thing? Um, and, and, you know, <laughs> Can like they do that? health and fitness wellness world. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. They, hey, it's either going to be jail time or you can go serve the military. That's still a thing. Um, and, and then stepping into the health and wellness world after that, uh, you know, people rarely, I, I haven't experienced anybody really go into this career field that don't love the human body or, you know, don't love helping people. And so it's just a great place to be uh, when, when everybody around you loves what they do and wants to make sure that everybody else is successful. I mean, what's not to love about that? Yeah. And that's clear in the, in the trajectory of your career. I mean, you went to American, um, you're an ACE certified trainer. I mean, you've, you've hit all of these benchmarks as you continue to expand and grow. Do you think that you desire to keep growing because of how your dad was when you were growing up with that saying, or do you think you want to, or maybe it's part of that, create an impact in the world, leave a legacy with the people that you touch? Yeah, it was, um, I think up until about this year, 2021, maybe the last several months, um, excuse me, it, it very much so was I'm doing things because of this kind of legacy and this mantra and this, this philosophy that my father left behind. Um, he lives his life by these two words, ever forward, ever forward, ever forward. Uh, oddly enough, they were actually the, the first unit that he was in, in the military, they, that was his creed, his saying, you know, that unit, that, that was their mantra. And he picked it up from his time in service and brought it home for us and um, said it, lived it, breathed it. And so for many, many years now, what I've been doing has been kind of out of uh, a healing process through that loss, for sure. Uh, my father and I were very, very close. And when he passed away from a terminal illness in 05, it, it completely rocked my world. Um, emotionally, spiritually broken in every way. And so for many years, like I said, it was a way for me to kind of stay connected to him and this idea and to, to heal and to grow and just basically to just kind of take what he had started and try to finish it, I guess, in a way. But now I think that a lot of my healing and a lot of my recovery through that trauma and a lot of just going through, finally allowing myself to grow through the grief process that my, my heart and soul needed to, um, because I stuffed it down and didn't deal with it for many, many years. Um, I feel good with where I am at now. And, and I really want to kind of just take a step back and really look at what have I done, hopefully to honor him in this message. And now what can I do with it moving forward? Like it served a purpose to get me to where I am now, but now I, instead of looking back to create meaning out of it, I, I want to completely get crystal clear on the messaging and on the movement. And now that we've been, you know, my family and I, we've done various things with it. Um, you know, I started a podcast. I to continue on his legacy, Everford Radio. My brother created an athletic athleisure apparel brand, Everford Apparel. Um, I've got it tattooed on my arm. You know, we've all kind of embodied it in different ways and it has helped us go from the past to the present. Personally speaking, I really want to look to the future 
and, and I want to see what do I kind of of my own design now want to build. Um, still keeping those great people around me, of of course, like I said, but you know now I think it's time for me to kind of step into my own design, life of my own design, even more intentionally and specifically, um, and to create something out of it. Um, not to say that I'll never look back and it still serves me in every day, but uh, it, it's like, wow, you can do something with your life and, and you can get through a lot. Uh, now, what do you want to create out of it, basically? Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like he is with you in some small way, supporting you, guiding you? Do you ever talk to him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... Um, in the other room, my bedroom, um, I wake up and I go to bed. And the first thing I see, the last thing I see are his dog tags. Uh, I've got him hanging on the corner of the mirror in my dresser. And on some like rough days or, um, you know, sad days or just different kind of days, you know, I'll, I'll grab them. I'll, I'll put them on. I don't always wear them, but on some days when I feel like, you know, I, I want to kind of tether a little bit more, mm-hmm. I want, want more of that connection. Um, yeah, I kind of just, hang with him, talk with him, put on his dog tags, you know, walk around with it. Um, and I have had some pretty wild experiences here. Um, I moved from DC to LA a couple of years ago and I, uh, I, I guess I began to tap into the, the, the LA version of chase, you know, I was doing some, <laughs> some, uh, yeah. some wellness retreat and uh, I was doing a, a breathwork class and in a big way, he was with me during my very first ever breathwork class. Uh, it was maybe like 10, 15 minutes in, I had this insane out-of-body experience where, you know, have you ever done breath work? You're of course, with- of course. Yeah, so, I'm yeah. as woo as they get. There we go. Perfect. Love it. So <laughs> you'll, you'll, you can relate here. So, you know, I was feeling all the things, you know, my hands and arms like getting tingly and kind of going in and like I was, you know, hypoxic and, you know, getting very weird body sensations. And then out of nowhere, I was transplanted back in time to the last moment of my father being alive in mm-hmm. his, I was in his body, in his perspective, looking at me in the hospital bedroom with my sister, my stepmom, the nurse, uh, a family friend was there. And one of the, I guess, biggest issues that I had was I never really got to say goodbye because uh, the nature of my dad's disease, he, he lost his ability to speak and to move. And so we never got that, you know, hey, goodbye kind of thing, or could even talk about it. Um, so in that experience, just out of nowhere, I was transplanted back in time. I was in his body. I, I was very, it's like, I was him. I was his mm-hmm. consciousness. And he was looking right at me through his eyes. And he was just telling me, Chase, it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Um, we just had like a, a, a moment. Um, so yeah, I, I've had some pretty powerful moments here where I, he's definitely been with me. I fully believe that. Oh, I think that's incredible. And it's so great that you went to that class, had that experience. I'm sure it was completely shocking and, and oh, unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how to process it. I, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my wife for uh, I, several weeks and nobody else really for a couple months afterwards. I was just like, what the, what the hell just happened? Like, how? How did that happen? Kind of Yeah. Thing. Yeah. But did you feel when it was over that something was settled within you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think a part of the grief process maybe a lot of people can relate is when you don't get that chance to say goodbye, whether it's a, a sudden loss or sudden death or somebody like with a terminal illness, just literally can't. Mm-hmm. It's like that thing that you just dance around talking about with someone else that no one ever really says. Maybe you don't want to, or your ego gets in the way or whatever the reason is. Um, I finally got that. And I didn't realize how much I needed that until yeah. I got it. And it, it, it changed so much for me and it gave me so much healing 
and allow me to kind of go into the next stage of grief, you know, and you know, here it is now another two years later. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know how far I could have come without that experience. Right, right. And and let's talk about the work that you're doing. I mean, it's so incredible. You're impacting so many lives. What do you want people who listen to the show, who visit you on Instagram, what do you want them to walk away with? You know, I, I used to say that um, I would create content. I would definitely specifically create podcast episodes for like former versions of myself. This mm-hmm. is a conversation or a topic or a, a little fun fact, you know, that Chase needed when he was transitioning out of the military when he was applying for his first new job, when he was um, trying to hit a PR in the gym or when he's looking for a new book. Uh, and so I would always create for former versions of myself and then in the content creation space, right? Especially when you make it a business, they say, you know, your ideal audience member, your ideal client. And for me, that person was always just, well, I would love to work with and create content for former versions of myself mm-hmm. and just people like that. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's for anybody that, has maybe walked in my shoes that has lost a loved one and has chosen not to, or doesn't know how to deal with it, but knows that they want to carry on in life. They want to take one step forward. Um, They want to nurture, create and nurture and have deep relationships with people around them, the right people around them. They want to know that they're creating something of worth in the world, that they're moving up the ladder so to speak, that they're contributing something and they're progressing in their life and they have a way to, to measure it, you know, quantifiably, qualitatively. Um, there are so many variety of ways to measure success I've found and to measure what makes you feel good, what gives you purpose and what you're contributing to. And so I've never really, tr- I've never, I consciously chose to not try and create like a formula, like, Hey, here's the chase tuning plan for your success in your life. You know, the best relationships you've ever had and get that promotion. Like, here's what you need to do. Boom, boom, boom. I just don't believe in that. I believe that we need to pull resources from a variety of places, people, places, and things and interpret them on our own and and see how they sit with us in our heads and in our hearts and pull out of that, what we need, apply it to our lives look back at our past and, you know, see where maybe it can give meaning or purpose or hope. And, and then to be able to step into a more present, you know, presence really. Um, and, and so if I can do that, cause there are so many people, places and things that did that for me on my journey. Um, it's like, it's, it sounds kind of wrong, I guess. Uh, so, you know, I want to cast a very, very big net. You know, I'm not, I want to stay kind of broad and create top- world domination. <laughs> right. Basically. Yeah. For good. Um, for good. For good. But I mean, because there are so many people out there, so many things that we can learn from uh, and then create our own way, so to speak. And I think that's the most beautiful thing in the world. It always reminds me of when I was uh, a clinical health coach. I, I mean, I could sit there with somebody and I could have all the answers for them. I could say, hey, I, I, I just spoke with your doctor. I looked at your chart. Uh, I know exactly here's the best nutrition plan for you. Here's the workout that I think is going to give you success. And you know, it's, it's going to get you towards what you need, what you want. That would work for a little bit. But the people that had the highest level of adherence, the people that loved to show up for the work and kept coming back to see me and, and making progress in those ways were the ones that I just sat there and provided you know, eyes and ears mm-hmm. on what they liked. And then we just created a plan of their own idea. It's like the inception model, right? Yeah. I can't give you the idea. You have to have it and then we can work together on it. And that's really what I'm after. Um, the, I, I want people to, to see what is possible in the world. I want people to see that someone like myself who 
you know, has gone through so much. We didn't even touch on, you know, the whole reason why I got out of the military was because I was forced. I suffered career ending injuries um, mm. that's led me completely physically in, incapacitated. Um, the last one was a year and a half of my military career. I was a patient. I was in and out of the hospital, in rehab, on bed rest. I had to learn how to walk again twice due to these injuries I sustained uh, to my hips and my back. Um, I had both my femurs completely reconstructed and I've got rods and pins in both hip. Um, and so it's just the human body, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually can go through so much. Mm. And I think it would be a, the biggest disservice of me to try to tell anybody the right way to do anything, the right way to heal, the right way to train, the right way to eat, the right way to go about their jobs or relationships, because you have to find it on your own. It's good. Mm -hmm. And we should have help along the way. But when you find something that sticks because you found it and you chose it, like you're going to be developing your why and you're going to choose to show up way more and keep pushing onward and moving forward than because it's something that maybe you heard in a podcast or that chase or, you know, Liz, anybody told you to do. Right. That makes sense. Right. Right. I mean, that's, that, I think that's how human brains work. You know, we use what serves us and we disregard what doesn't. I mean, yeah, that's how we're yeah, wired. Yeah. But again, yeah, like at least putting out that information so that someone could get that spark, I think is, 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 it's not easy. And I think oh. it's really, I mean, it's, it makes an impact that not many people do nowadays. I think that's incredible. Is there some way that you formulate your day or, or your life? Like when we, when I was on your show, we talked about my battle list. Do you have a battle list? Do you have things that you absolutely have to do in the day so that chase is most effective and can go out and impact the most amount of people? I got to sleep. Sleep <laughs> is king for me over the last several years. It's become the, the, the top on my personal wellness and productivity hierarchy yeah. for sure. Um, part of it's, 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 like part of it is because I have devoted so much to learning about sleep and what, what actually happens when we sleep. And so it's now I know what goes on. And if I don't get it, I know the processes and healing and detoxification and recovery and stuff that doesn't happen, or at least not. Can you touch on that a little bit? Because I find it so yeah. fascinating. I, I'll tell you, you, here we go. Great, great, uh, great new use of my stand up set here. Yeah. Like, this book right here is incredible. Why we sleep. Mm -hmm. This actually, I read last year. It's a little heady. Uh, Dr. Matthew Walker, he gets very much into the science of it. So uh, even someone like me, and that sounds like a jerk. Uh, I mean, like I have education. I'm so smart. <laughs> <laughs> I've devoted my entire professional career life to like understanding yeah. the science and stuff. And this book, even this book, I was like, all right, I'm going to go back and read this page again. Um, his book, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Sean Stevenson from the Model Health Show podcast, his book, Sleep Smarter. Um, incredible resources. Anybody wants to look into more. But, but yeah, sleep, it's just, it's the solution for so much. And it's not quantity, it's quality. Everybody, I'm sure by now has heard that. Um, good restorative sleep is where the body fully heals itself. It's where it goes through so many detoxification processes, especially if you're training, if you're active, if you're an athlete, that's the, the time where you're going to have new muscle growth. Uh, you're actually going to repair and recover properly to get back into your training tomorrow. Uh, it, it's just where everything happens. And so much of it really, really boils down to what it does for our hormones. Uh, sleep is when cortisol, uh, like, basically every hormone the body goes through, it's going through its kind of cycles while we're sleeping. And when sleep is disrupted, 
Uh, it doesn't quite have the same turn on shut off valves, if you will, that it should. Uh, so maybe sometimes uh, I would have um, clients, patients where it's like we were doing everything right, but for whatever reason, they just weren't seeing the fat loss, the weight loss that they wanted. And, uh, and so when you're not sleeping, your body's holding on to a lot more cortisol. And when you have more cortisol floating around your body, it doesn't like to let go of fat as much because it thinks you're in this kind of fight or flight mode all the time. So it needs a very readily accessible fuel source. Um, so it, it just really, it came down to everything. And I noticed that when I began to sleep more, um, I would have more energy immediately when I would wake up during the day, I would get in flow more often. Um, any like mental blocks or just physical ailments, just when I prioritize sleep, uh, it was finally able to like get into alignment. It was like my body, I was finally giving my body the chance to catch up. Um, it just does so, so much. Um, it's really one of the best things you can do to improve your sleep and to allow your body to go through these restorative processes is to nail down your bedtime routine, but also like have the same wake up time. Uh, same bedtime, same rise time as much as possible. Um, there's a lot that light does, uh, the first waking hours of the day that directly contributes to your ability to sleep your quality of sleep or not. Um, so the more you could get into the same wake up time, same go to bedtime, it's really going to help get you into your natural, your body's natural circadian rhythm. Um, and, and so once I began to focus more on sleep, I just, I, I truly felt better and I would recommend the same thing to anybody listening or, you know, past patients of mine as well. It's just prioritize that first because it's going to set you up for success for most everything else. When you are rested and when you are recovered and your body is in a position, you have basically allowed it to go through what it needs to go through. You're going to make better decisions. You are going to have more clarity of thought. You are internally, your body is going to be working more with you instead of against you in terms of, weight loss, weight gain, energy, movement. Um, it, it's just, it does so much for us. Yeah. Um, and so w- once I began to prioritize that, a lot of other things just kind of fell into place. Uh, so for me, it, it's very much, if I can get good quality sleep, then I'll go through the rest of the list. Um, and then it's the morning routine. It, it's, I have to have this kind of first two to three hours for me it is my ideal me time. It's my morning ritual time, uh, getting out into the sun within the first like 20, 30 minutes of waking up. It's getting some light movements and, you know, a short walk with the dog, uh, some stretching to just ease into the day. Uh, I realized about a year or so ago when, um, I thought that I had in order to be a successful entrepreneur or a high performer, I had to get up at 5am every day and I had to start crushing emails and doing all the things. And when I realized that I, Hey, actually, you know, if I start my day in a more calm approach and I actually honor my mind and my body first, uh, and I'm not just jumping into a completely fully stressed out state for the day, everything else is pretty much better for it. Um, so it's that, that morning time, I I traditionally don't do anything work related, no phone calls, meetings, emails, whatever, uh, until about 10 AM. I I wake up naturally between about 6:45 and 7:15, pretty much every day. I've been setting an alarm unless I need to go on a flight for years now. Um, and so then I can kind of step into my day that way. And, And then to more specifically answer your question, I have really compartmentalized my days of, like what version I need to be that day. Uh, so Mondays for me, I'm waking up and that's just all the boring admin stuff. I've got a standing call with everybody uh, on my team um, every Monday morning. And then, you know, we all get our kind of marching orders from there. And then it's just, you know, it's confirming calendars and interviews the rest of the week and the month. It's, 
emails, it's uh, payroll, it's, you know, whatever the unfun stuff needs <laughs> in the background. Tuesdays, Wednesdays are always podcast days for me. I'm just doing anything, everything related to my show, recording, editing, talking to my editors, whatever. Thursdays, I try to keep open for kind of my, um, my consultation calls. I still do some coaching um, here and there for a few clients I've been working with a long time. Um, I'm, I'm no longer fully in like the health coach chase role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of stepped out of that about a year or two ago. But I, I work with a few people like in the military, uh, just kind of like life optimization, um, coaching protocols, basically. I'm still certified, still a certified health coach, and it's what I've been doing for years. So I always try to have the credentials back me if anybody <laughs> wants to still hop on board and yeah. work with me. Um, and then Fridays are really, I try to keep for in real life. I try to keep, you know, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. Let's go to lunch. Let's have a phone call. I try to have that human connection in some way, shape or form as much as possible. So um, depending on the day, yeah, depending on the day, I get my my battle list for sure. And it provides a lot of structure. And then I can look back fully and know, yeah, I did what I said I was going to do. I achieved success or I didn't. Um, so the more I could kind of know what I was doing and when, it just made personal life and professional life so much better. Yeah. And it sounds like when you have a schedule like that, you can get into that flow state so much easier and be present on the calls on, you know, doing the boring stuff, you know, when you're out with your wife, like you can actually be there because you've designed this life to be this way. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically getting there, you know, every, every day, every week, every year that design changes a little bit and it should, you know, we change as people and, uh, it's been great. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun to realize that, can just make a simple choice of what do I want to do today? What do I want to define as success and how am I going to achieve it? And it can be something very, very small, a very, very simple, small, attainable goal. And you, and you say it, you do it, you create it. And then it just kind of feeds the cycle to do it all over again. Yeah. And I would think too, like as much as your work is online, I mean, you, you put the show and then Instagram and all of that, you know, social media now has just kind of become its own animal. Do you feel like social media is simply a tool or does it control the narrative or do you control the narrative through social media? What's your take on that? Because it is for both of us, it's such a huge part of our job. Yeah. I'll honestly say it uh, reminds me of a phrase called, um, I think it's an old native American phrase where it's like the one you feed. There are two Mm -hmm. wolves inside your head. Um, fighting for your attention, fighting for your direction in your life. And uh, I think it's uh, it's like a young man asks his grandfather, it's like a, or the shaman of the tribe or something. He's like, well, which one wins? And the elder says, the one that you feed. And I, I think that's very, very true. When I look back to when I got started in social media, when I began to post and Snapchat and Instagram and YouTube, you know, back in, you know, like 2014, 2013, 14, 15, when social media kind of became a real thing that you yeah. could create a business or a life out of. It, it was that first. It was, oh, I need to do this. I need to create because this is what social media is demanding. This is what the audience is demanding. This is the narrative. This is the way that you're supposed to do it, right? And then that worked for a little bit. You play the game, you, you feed into the infamous algorithm, right? Does anybody even really know what the hell the algorithm is? <laughs> Apparently it changes every day. Um, and then there's some new algorithm coach trying to sell me their course on <laughs> how to get more followers. Um, but when I, kind, when I kind of step back, and this is just through the personal development work of just really me personally getting clear on who I was as a person, the healing process, the grief process, my father, like I said, and just focusing on me first that lens, that narrative completely switched. 
And so I found that like as, as much as maybe it worked in the beginning or as people think that you, you have to cater to what these platforms want or they're demanding of you, that's a choice. And if you choose to only create what you want to create because it brings you joy and you're creating it for even just one other person, like the ideal audience member I was saying earlier, then it will begin to catch up and play to you that way. It will feed the algorithm to show people only this type of content. And then what you're doing, and there may be a little bit of friction along the way. You may you know, drop off a little bit. You may lose some followers. You know, I've gone through quite a few uh, experiences of being shadow banned where all of a sudden the platforms just don't like what I'm talking about. And literally overnight, I lose about 60 to 70% of engagement and views Mm -hmm. and things because I'm not playing their game. Well, I don't care. What's going to be more successful in the long run? Me trying to always play somebody else's game and live up to somebody else's standards and their markers for success that's exhausting. Yeah. This stuff is so time consuming. Anyways, I don't have time to try to play catch up all the time. So I just really decided to, I'm doing this because I want to, um, I'm doing this because it's either bringing me great joy or it's a great move for my business. And I know that no other platform, no other algorithm knows what I like, uh, what moves the needle in my business in life. So I just began to create things like that. Um, so it was a choice really, you know, in the beginning I was playing to their rules and and now I just make my own. And I think anybody who questions that should maybe, you know, really question their intentions for doing it all in the first place. Um, because if you're not doing it for yourself, like I was saying earlier, that whole inception concept, like you're going to burn out and you're going to reach a point one day where you're just going to look back and like, why am I doing this? Or you're just going to get fed up. It's just, it's not sustainable. Um, you have to be sustainable in whatever you're doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, for the woman listening to this, we've all felt that way. You know, everyone's on social media in some form or fashion. Even if you have, you know, just friends following you, you get that feeling. You kind of, I think everyone listening has had that feeling where you post a picture and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like it's, no one's liking <laughs> yeah. this picture. And then you feel bad. And it's it's is even it more so. Is it that you that I used to Right. What's wrong post? with me? Right. Long posting time. Yeah. Right, right. So I love that you just said that. And really, I mean, you're just such an example of bringing your authentic self to to every every room that you walk into, whether it's virtual or real. No, I feel that. Um, so we've we've covered a lot. Is if with everything that you know in life that you've learned that you're still continuing to learn, what do you want to leave with the audience today? What do you want them to remember from this talk? Hmm. No pressure. Such a big question. <laughs> um, I'll say, uh, I think this will answer. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and, and go to something that gave me the most perspective and the most transformation, particularly through the grief period and losing my father, but in losing a lot of things, losing identities over the years of citizen chase, soldier chase, um, being told, hey, you're no longer capable of doing this job, you know, of having that military identity taken away from me, um, to having my hero taken away from me, to having to transition into a completely different career and to having to start my life all over again. And seemingly looking back, there are a lot of these things that were taken from me or like, wow, like that sucks. You know, it's all forms of identity. And the common denominator for me in pretty much all of those, whether it was losing my job, losing my father, going through a breakup or whatever, um, was I, at the time, 
was incapable of, or I chose not to just completely feel mm. that experience. I, during the time with my dad in the military, you know, was, I, I, whether it was a real excuse or not, like I didn't have the luxury of going through that process. Cause like a week later I had to go back to being a soldier and, you know, kind of dealing with not dealing with certain stuff at a certain time can serve you there. Um, and it did for me, but basically when I was going through all of that, I, I, I chose or consciously or subconsciously to not feel those things, to not fully just, just be still and go through the suck and go through the hurt and the pain and the grief and the joy and the love. And instead to just like, okay, go on to the next thing, or I'm not supposed to feel this way, or I don't deserve to feel this way. Feelings are the most amazing life teachers we could ever ask for. And, but many times they just come in a way that we're not ready for. We don't like how it's wrapped. We don't like, like how it's delivered. Or, or we think that, you know, we're going to be just for going through something or going through something for too long or not enough time period. If I could go back and I, I would never change anything in my life. I thoroughly believe as all the good and all the bad that has been in my life, I would not change anything for where I am here today. But if I could go back and like, I wish I would have done something more or better um, because it, I choose to do it now as I feel everything. Uh, I, I no longer try to just like stuff an emotion down. I want to feel the pain. I want to feel the stress. I want to feel the love. I want to feel the connection. I want to feel that good cup of coffee. I want to feel that good conversation with my wife. I want to feel the stressors that make me sometimes just want to like throw it all, throw the talent, throw it all in, in my business. Um, like in, and that's okay. So I would challenge and implore uh, your listeners to do the same thing because like it, it's okay. First of all, you're very welcome. And I hope that you do feel those things, but also like when you allow yourself to feel and go through those processes, you get so much clarity, you get so much answers, you get so many more questions, the right questions and, it, and it's healing and necessary uh, for anything and everything I think that we go through in life. That was so beautifully said. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for that. All right, last question. Finish this sentence. Yeah. I believe. I believe absolutely anything is possible in life. I, I, I thoroughly do. Uh, I mean, with with technology, with grabbing your smartphone to to going online, to reading a book. I mean, look around you. Anything that you are viewing, that you are doing, that you are consuming, that you're doing right now is because somebody created it. Um, and I, I think it's just an insane. Uh, I think it's insane what is possible with the human potential uh, if we just acknowledge it and, you know, we choose to step into it. Um, yeah. Like, look, what literally yesterday we just landed on Mars, right? <laughs> the yeah. rover. I mean, that's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. All right, Chase, where can our listeners find you online and listen to your show? Yeah. So I'm hanging out on Instagram uh, or I'm podcasting basically. So my, my IG is at chase underscore tuning and my show is ever forward radio. You can find it wherever you listen to audio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we drop multiple episodes per week and uh, all things, fitness, nutrition, mindset, wellness, uh, a lot of similar stuff that we talked about here today, including you on an upcoming episode as well. That's right. um, yeah. Either on the gram or I'm in podcast land for sure. And ladies, listen to his voice. This is a voice you want to tune into each and every week. Uh, thank you, Chase, thank you. so much. This is such a beautiful conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
If you've been looking for a way to add in self-care to your day in an easy and accessible way, then I highly recommend my new book, Motherhood Unstressed, Daily Meditations on Motherhood, Self-Care, and the Art of Living a Life You Love. This is a book that I wrote with the intention of being a go-to in your day. So you can flip to a page, read a short poem, or do a journal entry, or do the guided meditation, and then go off and run your day. I wanted it to be fast, but also something that you can do every single day so that you are nurturing the primary relationship in your life, the relationship with yourself. And from there, all of your other relationships improve and grow and blossom. So Motherhood Unstressed is available on Amazon, Kindle, and my website at motherhoodunstressed.com. And I'm so excited to see where the book goes in the world. If you get it, definitely screenshot it and tag me at Motherhood Unstressed on Instagram in your stories. And I will share that back out because it's really a full circle. The, the book is not complete until someone reads it and processes it. And so I'm so excited to see where it goes in the world. Thanks for reading. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend and be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the show out to more and more mothers all over the world. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.